When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen to the AZ Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Mike Luke, joined by Ben White, joined by the precocious uh, Ben Schuster, John Schuster. I'm just kidding with you. I'm merely Mike Luke. Arizona wins. What was the final score today, Shu? Uh, 92-73, Mike Luke. 92-73. That is called a cover for the Wildcats. This was a game that was not pretty in the first half. Um, And I was going on there. I'm going through the notes, and I'm like, all right, well, here we go again. More crappy perimeter defense, more uh, turnovers. And Ben White, they said there will be none of that. We are going to take control, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, they they attacked that rim in the second half. I mean, Keshaw Johnson went crazy. Caleb Love went crazy with some of the passes. Umar Balo, leader of men, which we got a reference on the broadcast, the leader of men, Umar Balo, 1,000 career points. So, yeah, a total 360. I mean, this team has struggled, you noted, from the perimeter defensively uh, the majority of the last couple of weeks. And, you know, you thought, okay, Utah really shouldn't have the personnel and and really doesn't have the pedigree to to tee up with Arizona, obviously, just from an athleticism standpoint, a shooting standpoint. But they did get some good looks to start that first half, but it it gradually faded away. And Arizona's defense came to play there in the second half. And more importantly, Mike, they got the ball inside, which, you know, we've talked about at times over the last couple of weeks, something they need to do more of. And they responded accordingly. John Schuster. A fair amount of this game was kind of what I, I think a lot of us have more or less expected uh, from a lot of Arizona games this year. Team across from you is pretty good, but, uh, you know, Arizona's got a little bit more talent. You're going to see enough in this ma- in a matchup like this to have material to criticize. Certainly early on in the first half, Arizona's perimeter defense fell under that category, and Utah, by virtue of being, I think, 6-for-16 at the break in the first half, uh, was able to take enough and, more importantly, hit enough that uh, kept them close. But then... You know, Arizona was able to make the necessary adjustments and uh, went on two notable runs in the second half, 12-0 run that uh, pretty much separated the game uh, enough for Arizona to be able to do what it wanted to. And in the end, you know, it was I think they played a pretty good team. I think Utah's decent. They're, they're maybe bubble. They don't stink. They definitely don't stink. bubble good. You know, they're going to win their share of games. Uh, they're not a threat to go particularly deep uh, if they get in, but they're, they're a team that can do some things reasonably well and has some talent on the roster. So they're moving uh, again in a positive direction as they take the same adventure that Arizona does eventually into another conference. But as tonight went, uh, you guys noted, I think Love clearly played a major role in Arizona's second half separation and Johnson stepped up as well. And those are 
uh, two guys, and this has come up rightfully in conversation as well, that is sort of representative of what Arizona has this year that perhaps it hasn't had in some of uh, in Tommy Lloyd's other two years. And it's that type of thing uh, that can be difficult for the opposition. Yeah, and see, that, but that's that's what these kind of weekends, though, or week, weeks are for for me, though. When you have come off like just a crushing loss like you had against Stanford, where basically you just got your butt kicked against a bad team, these games – you just, I think you just need blowouts. These were overmatched teams in both of these games, Colorado and Utah. Now, Utah played much better than Colorado did, obviously, in the first half, but they kind of succumbed to Arizona's athleticism as well. But, Ben, Arizona just needed to get a butt kicking in there, and they got exactly that. Hey, you need blowouts, and I think more importantly, you need really good games from your two best players. Um, and then that's what you got over the last two games here. And, and Keyshaw Johnson was fantastic there uh, in the second half, especially just getting to the rim. I mean, Utah gave him some wide-open looks, and he, he did play well in the first half. But we talked about this with this team. When you have two guys in, the, in those players – why wouldn't Arizona just go to the rim at every single possession there, especially to establish uh, the tone in the majority of these games? I mean, this team really does play at its best when it's shoot when it's playing from inside out. And I think that's exactly what they did today. And, you know, I think the benefit, too, as well is when you have somebody like Johnson who's able to get going early it's only going to make things easier for your guards. I mean, you look back to the Stanford game, maybe a little bit more so to the Purdue game, but up until today, Johnson's been pretty quiet um, the last few games, yeah. and I think he was somebody who you needed to get involved early, and when you do that, it only makes it easier for the rest of the team because you're in a position now where Love and Boswell are not having to go toe-to-toe with the opposition's guards every single possession. And I think you saw that in the loss against Stanford. I think you saw that in some of the other moments where Arizona has struggled over the last couple of weeks where the ball movement is stagnant, as Shu has noted multiple times. Offensively, things are just entirely out of rhythm. But when you're able to go to Johnson and when you're able to go to Balo early on and establish rhythm like they did tonight, I mean, they ran away with this game just in the paint there in the second half, Mike, and, and that's what you saw. John Schuster, have I ever told you about the Desert Financial Credit Union? I uh, know I might have, but I'm not mm -hmm. sure. It comes up every now and again, but I, I, every time your your reads and the information that you provide is so good that I can't wait to hear more about it the next time. By the way, everybody, keep it, keep an eye, keep an eye on this ASU game for we. We need updates. Uh, I would have it on in the background, but anyways, back to Desert Financial. 76, Credit 73 Union. ASU. What is this? They score? just won. They won by three. 76, 73. Ah, they were cheating. All right, Desert Financial Credit Union. When you go, when you get a free checking account online, get $200 in bonuses. Get started by visiting desertfinancial.com slash 200. All kinds of good stuff. You might look in the background of John Schuster and you say, man, that's somebody that has Desert Financial Credit Union. That is 1,000% what it is. The uh, Again, the uh, precocious Ben White in California, probably the same thing. Now, let's do the Desert Financial Credit Unions by the numbers, Mr. Jacob Franklin. All right, this is called being better than the other team. Um, 60 to 40, 55, 27. Um, Arizona was able to lock this down in the second half because it felt like in the first half, Arizona or Utah couldn't miss a shot. That is still a little bit of a, a, a worry for me, um, the defense that we're going to get to. But overall, Arizona did what they needed to do in the second half. And some hard-hitting analysis there, right, uh, right there, Mike Luke. Um, but yeah, I, I thought from a shooting perspective, I mean, 62%, I mean, come on. You, you just blow the lights out, 55% from three. Um, at halftime as well, you know, I'm looking back to the halftime numbers, and it was only a three-point game, so you kind of thought to yourself at the time, okay, 
if this keeps up, there's no way Arizona isn't winning here by at least 10 plus. And you gradually saw that there. And I think the rebounding, right, is, is also a big part of it and really points in the paint as well. I mean, Arizona had 50 points in the paint. Utah had 26. I mean, that's right. just crazy right there. and just shows you the mismatch that um, Utah was dealing with there with Johnson and, and, and Ballo. And I think, you know, they were able to hang for a good majority of that first half. And like you mentioned, they had a good shooting uh, half. But when you got those two guys up front and what Ballo and Johnson were doing tonight, when you got those two guys hitting the way they do, I mean, it's, it's really hard to slow that down. And this team was at its best tonight. All right. Now, the uh, how about the... Uh... How about the sage of the Southwest, John Schuster? Oh, I like, yes. I like that. Wow, that uh, uh, it was very spicy. I, I was uh, <laughs> fairly uh, it. Yes, just a bit. Uh, you know, I think there are a lot of teams out there that are kind of like Utah, and a lot less teams out there that are like Arizona. So that kind of a- a- athletic advantage is the type of thing that, uh, you know, more often than not, Arizona's in a position to be able to execute. And again, this is a game that I think really fell under a lot of expectations, uh, you know, but uh, on the defensive end, you can kind of see as well that, you know, teams that are still trying to develop a little bit, uh, there are holes in the arsenal. And Utah has some issues, certainly on the defensive end, and, and with an ability to catch up, and Arizona obviously with 50 points in the paint was in a position where it could exploit the inside too. And yeah. so, you know, you get that kind of combination. And to Arizona's credit, they were smart enough to recognize, and, you know, and everybody should, uh, that, you know, you're smart enough to be able to recognize that you're, you got better talent and you've got some mismatches that can uh, take advantage of certain situations. And Arizona was good enough to move the ball around well enough. And additionally from that, get guys into spots that allow them better opportunities to score. All right, Chef Duarte, we will, uh, there will be no My Bad Boswell movement. We've been over this. You're smarter than me. You already know this. There will be no My Bad uh, Boswell because I always thought Boswell was good. I was frustrated he was not playing well. My Bad only occurs if I don't think you're good. So Gunnar Maldonado, Pella Larson, they will not accept a seat with Kylan Boswell because they are in different stratospheres. Um, we will get to Rolly's uh, Mexican restaurant uh, at the end of the show, though. I went there. That is absolutely fantastic. I would vouch for it for anybody. Um, by Gene M says, uh, Mike's head has to be very, very big after the leader of men <laughs> reference from Matt Mulebach. He is. I'm a little bummed the four peaks didn't get in there. He already apologized to me. There was another <laughs> reference, though, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Swedish jackknife, or what was it? Um, the, the, uh, the, the Swedish army knife. The Swedish army knife, also known as the Swiss army knife. That was oh, something. Yes. Didn't Brad try to bring that up the other night? Didn't Brad try to fit that in in the last postgame show? Yeah. It's wasn't a, that a Brad Alice effort? Yeah. That, that, that you, being the master of plagiarism and the master of social media, decided to openly steal without proper citation Take the uh, take the credit for yourself, and then it spreads like the virus that it deserves to be. Well, when you're hanging out with the Sage of the Southwest, that's what's going to happen. That's but, the last thing that's going to happen when you're hanging out with the Sage of the Southwest. All right, now let's find let's talk about some of these players though <laughs> that got back on the winning track. Um, Keyshawn Johnson, listen, Umar Ballo, leader of men. There's always going to be certain games where it just feels like it's just not an Umar type game. It just doesn't quite feel like. It's a little bit too fast for him, um, whatever. But Keyshaw Johnson is a player that every single game I think should be able to flirt with double uh, figures. He should be able to get 14 and 8, 14 and 10, just off effort, just by running the court, just off of his pure athleticism. Ben One White, we saw that today. We need more of this. 
Yeah, first game in uh, four weeks where he's hit double digits. Eight against Colorado, eight against Stanford, five against Cal, which was rather perplexing, and then uh, only seven against FAU there. Um, I, I think the thing with him, and you know, I think he's somebody who you have to really position him well and, and get him set up. And I think that falls a lot on Arizona's guards. Um, we have seen over the course of the last few weeks, Arizona, I think, take more perimeter shots than they need to take. Um, when you're built the way they are, when you have the athleticism matchup, when you can play inside out, why wouldn't you start every single game? By and large, I get matchups sometimes can be challenging, but tonight especially, by and large, why wouldn't you start every single game by getting the ball to him? And when they do that, I mean, good things happen. Like we mentioned a little bit earlier, it open th- opens things up for the rest of the offense. And he clearly is, you know, I think Love is the, the clearly the best player, but he clearly is 1B. I wouldn't put him as 2. I'd put him 1B just because – from an impact standpoint, if he does not play well, if he's not scoring at least 15 to 20 points, I don't think Arizona can win the big games, quite honestly. Um, so I think that Love is clearly more talented, don't get me wrong, but from an important standpoint, he's right there. I will utilize him at the uh, uh, at the old Greek tableau uh, tablet and call him Beta. Shoot, let me ask you this. You've been talking all year about how, or, you know, not all year, the last couple all of years. Year. About Yeah, I mean, heck, you've been talking about it for centuries, Um, about how you wanted to see more ball movement, about how you thought it was a little bit more stagnated in the last couple weeks. John Schuster did not like that. Did you see a little bit more ball movement, or was this just a team against an overmatched team? Well, I, I think it helps clearly when Arizona moves the ball a little bit better, and and it's one of the things. It's exactly what I was about to get to that you're in that that guys like Ballow and especially Johnson can benefit by the extra pass situation. And as long as once Arizona is going to need to do this a lot more consistently, I think in the half court, and we're talking about a team that scored 92 tonight, but I think Utah has some pretty notable limitations on the defensive end that Arizona was allowed to uh, exploit. Arizona is a bad matchup pretty clearly for Utah in some key, in some key spots, but still, if you're able to run your stuff well, then that gives you a better opportunity to keep teams a little bit uh, behind what it is that they ultimately want to do. And uh, I think Johnson was a benefactor of that tonight. Uh, Come tournament time, I'm hopeful that his activity rate increases to the kind of thing that we saw earlier this year and didn't see, you know, December's now behind you. So because with his athleticism out there, Arizona, it gives Arizona so much more versatility and they can even kind of pivot around it a little bit. And he'll be a benefactor, not necessarily from plays that are called from him, but every now and again, you know, if you've made three passes on the offensive possession, you can make four or five. Johnson gets those. And then if your defense is scrambling a little bit and somebody takes a shot, Johnson's athleticism allows you to get into position and maybe get the offensive rebound on the follow. I think we're avoiding the elephant in the room here that I don't think we don't really want to discuss because it's obvious, but at the same time, I think we got to discuss it. These guys clearly went to circle K at some point today. (laughs) Well, you know, every Betty who's famous in this town apparently does. So that would make ideal sense. Clearly, I would assume when you watch Keyshaw Johnson, that is a member of the circle K and it's the inner circle because, and it's not just because his name begins with K join inner circle for free by downloading the circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit circle for details. Ben one white. Do you think that you could find Keyshaw Johnson at circle K? 
I would think you would be able to. Yes. <laughs> All right. I, I I'm I'm not going to vouch for it, but I think there's a good chance. Also, Empire Flooring. Now, a lot of times I just make stuff up, but Empire absolutely flooring, not. No, <laughs> I know. I know. Empire Flooring literally redid my parents' uh, floor, and they are very happy about it. Uh, Ted Wardo likes it a great deal. Ted Wardo enjoys lounging on it. They just picked, uh, purchased a service dog as well. They will be uh, lounging on it as well. They can help you just like they help my parents. My parents are useless, but they had help with Empire Flooring. Schedule, love you, Mom. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when you use promo code PHNX. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash PHNX for details. All right, now let's get to the Swedish pinball, Pella Larson. Um, by the way, do we think this is Alan Kaif? Uh, I would suggest that that's, I, you know, I'll leave that up to you. I'll let that interpretation up to you. I think there's a very good chance this is Alan Kaif. Big hour <clears throat> traffic, pal. Um, a shout out. Yes. All right. But that was so anyways, all. So anyways, let's, so, uh, Pella Larson. Mm -hmm. Pella Why Larson. can't we get this out of Pella Larson every single game? Again, my bad, Pella. I was wrong. I always preface it by saying I was wrong. But it feels to me when you are an effort player, when you are a player like him, it should you shouldn't have games where you're kind of, oh, mom is listening. Oh, not good. Hi, mom. Hi, Janet. <laughs> if, you, if you don't like me, blame this woman right here. Mom, and put in there, Empire Flooring is, uh, is true, and it's not. Or, I mean, it's true. So um, useless parents do not text on this uh, post-game show. So their ability to multitask and do many great things is uh, right. is, is, is clearly in play. Pella Larson, though. Oh, yeah, Pella Larson. Mm -hmm. yes, he scored 1,000 points for his career. Right. Why, why can't we get this out of Pella Larson every single game? Again, I keep asking this because, like, with players like a Damon Stoudemire, they're, you're going to have streaky games because you're pulling up from, you know, the cactus. You're taking a lot of tough shots, all that. Pella Larson's game isn't predicated off that. It's it's predicated off cutting to the hoop, uh, you know, defense, um, taking the one-two dribble, et cetera, et cetera. I, I want this every game out of Pella because I think he's more than capable of doing it. Yeah, I think with him, I mean, you just said it right there. I mean, his game is defense first, and I think from a shooting perspective – He's not expected, and I don't know if he's even capable of doing, you know, what somebody like Love and, and Boswell are. I mean, from a scoring perspective, that's fixed. And I think from an energy standpoint, you have him out there to try to force some steals, try to get in some passing lanes, draw some fouls. Now, granted, with him, like you mentioned, it can be a love-hate relationship because I think, you know, a lot of times when they call fouls, they're either spot on or they're rather head-scratching. And I think when you have that type of player – um, it's going to be tough to see a guy score 15 to 20 a game. It just is. And granted tonight he had 13, a lot, most of that came in the second half, but I think if you're getting eight to 12 out of him and you know, he's forcing a few steals and he's playing well on the defensive end, I think that's what his role is, Mike, at this point. And again, they scored 92, you know, so it's not like the offense struggled and, and, and shot 60% from the floor. So there are a lot of things that uh, were good about a lot of uh, players tonight, but Mike, who do you think is the most consistent player on this team if you don't think it's Larson? And uh, it's fair to suggest that Larson is not the most consistent player on this team. But who do you think is? You know, that's and then question. start ranking them. It's a great and, and at what point do you get to Larson? Probably about three. You know, I listen. Yeah. I think what and, and I realize I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth here, but you know what? It makes it easier if you don't know what you're talking about to be able to speak out of both sides, like I'm doing. Um, but. 
I think I think it's Caleb Love. And everybody's going to say, Mike, Caleb Love has five for 29 games. The difference to me, though, with Caleb Love, though, is the attention that he attracts. And that every single game, he is bringing it. He is going to be somebody that is going to... He's going to be somebody that is always has his, you know, his head down. He's going to force the action again. Sometimes he's not going to always, you know, be, he's not going to always be effective, but as far as from a consistency effort perspective, I think it's been Caleb love. And quite frankly, I don't think it's been close. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen a game since what mid November where he hasn't had at least 10 points. And I think from a scoring perspective, even if he's five for 29, he's still going to find a way to get his right. And, and from a shooting perspective, it's hot, it's hot hit or miss. But I think what's so cool about him and it sets really the energy and the tone for the rest of the team is even if he's not hitting shots, Mike, he's still doing a lot of other stuff out there. I mean, defensively, right. he is locked onto his guy from a passing standpoint. I think he's come a long way. I'm not saying he's a pass first guard by any means, but he has I come a long way. That, ben White. He has come a long way in terms of getting other guys involved. And, you know, he's the most consistent player that this team has, I think, far and away. And then I think you have to look at somebody like Johnson and some of these other guys below that. But without love, I mean, Arizona's not in a lot of these games this year. He's, they're just not, to be honest. Schuster. And I think it becomes a more oh, – I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, I was going to say Schuster. The floor is yours. Oh, all right. Uh, uh, I think once you get past love in that conversation, you know, you get a little bit more semantic uncertainty here. Is it Ballow? Maybe. Uh, we just talked earlier in the show about how Johnson was kind of a no-show for a lot of December. It's certainly not Boswell, who has struggled for a good portion of the last few games and finally seems to hopefully be getting a little bit more acclimated. That helps. And Larson is a guy who's basically a punching bag on a fairly regular basis. So, so now you're through most of your starting lineup and you're starting to try to figure out, okay, beyond love, who's the most consistent player on this team? So I think a lot of what plays into that is the depth that's on your roster as well. Because the, perhaps the lesson here to some degree, and I get it, we want Larson to be a really consistent, solid player who fills the stat sheet. We kind of want Johnson to be the same guy. Those are great accolades. You know that Love's going to take big shots. You hope that Boswell gains his confidence and everything flows offensively. And Ballow pretty much plays the role that he needs to play to be able to ultimately wear teams down and be able to separate uh, maybe over the course of the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, but <laughs> hard to argue that. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're get in, you get into these situations where the lesson here is that you need depth. Because come tournament time, guys are going to have off nights. And hopefully you'll have some guy in the dugout who's able to step in and fill the void if one of your major players is struggling. And, and that the rest of the team is talented enough to be able to pick that sort of thing up to give you a chance uh, to move through the tournament. So it is sort of an, I mean, I agree with you on Love being the most consistent player. I think that's relatively clear. You know what it uh, is, though, more, for, so, more so for me than anything as far as just like the production, it's just the effort. It's the, like, there's games where it just doesn't feel like Pella's totally engaged. There's been games where it doesn't feel like Kylan's been totally, uh, Kylan Boswell's been totally engaged. I mean, Keyshaw Johnson's the one player that I didn't think we would be having this discussion about, about just being fully engaged because he's an energy hustle type player. But for a while, he hasn't really been that. I guess that's more, more of my, I'm totally cool with if a guy goes four of 18. Again, I don't want it to happen, but I don't, 
I don't question the effort. I guess that's where, why can't we get this every single game? I guess is my question for both of you. I mean, I think when you look at these other guards and and what's been clear to me in, in some of the games where Arizona has struggled, I mean, the Stanford game comes to mind when the shot's not falling for a lot of these guys, I think yeah. it, it really hurts them in other areas of their play. Um, I think defensively things get a little bit messy. I think guys tend to get lost and, you know, love has been the one constant. I mean, obviously he's far and away the best player. We all know that, but I think he's in a position where he is because consistently he's giving it his all every single possession defensively passing, getting guys involved. If he has to maybe switch on the defensive side, he's able to do that. And, you know, for whatever reason this year, you know, I think Boswell is somebody who is certainly a dog who has shown, you know, over the last year and a half that he can be a big time shot maker. But, you know, when he was going seven for 27 over the last week, two weeks or so, there wasn't a whole lot else he was doing um, on the defensive end or anything else along those lines. So I think that's what the challenging part is. And again, you hope that, this week is kind of that blueprint for what we're going to see, you know, leading up to March, right? Because the Pac-12 we know isn't great. Granted, there have been some fluky games like tonight against ASU. But at the same time, I mean, this team is far and away better than any other team in this conference. And you hope that you get that consistency from all these starters. You had five guys in double figures tonight. And to Shu's point earlier, you hope two guys who step up and who are there if need be, actually three, I'll add Crevis into that dis- this discussion because we haven't brought him up yet. But you really hope that Lewis and Bradley are those guys that can alleviate maybe some of those challenges where, you know, Boswell or one of these other guards might be having a shooting slump or an issue on the defensive side. Those guys can come right in, give you energy, give you points, and just keep Arizona on track. At least that's what you hope. Hugs and hugs with the 299 super sticker. Appreciate you, my friend. All right, uh, John Schuster, go ahead. Let's throw something else out there, too, as a possibility. Arizona is a team right now that gets up for big games, mostly on the road and the effort play at home. They love home cooking. Arizona beats teams at home by what? 25 points a game, give or take, whatever the number is, it's nonsense. And it doesn't matter. They could be good. They could be bad. Yeah, right. Uh, You know, they obliterate Colorado the other night by 47. They win tonight by 19 and, and, and we're nitpicking a lot of odd things. And, and so I'm wondering if a lot of the effort thing is that the crowd actually helps Arizona quite a bit and some of these specific players to provide that kind of energy that we expect out of Arizona. And in some situations on the road, in relatively uh, quiet, neutral venues. Like Stanford, uh, a high school gym. Something like that. Uh, even even the Florida Atlantic game, which was extraordinarily yeah. well played, but there weren't a whole hell of a lot of people there. Uh, you, you know, mostly Arizona people by far, but it was all like Circle K. Four, four five thousand people. They all went to Circle K and then uh, made their tried to make their way over to the gym, but the line was so long at Circle K that a lot of them got stuck, and then ultimately didn't make the game on time. It's very frustrating when everybody who's part of this podcast is all part of the inner circle because that's a really big. Big, it's the a big inner circle. Keeps growing. The inner keeps growing in that circle, and that becomes, you know, good news for Circle K. But uh, anyway, I'm I'm wondering if this is one of the things that Arizona, as a team, and it falls under the possibility of the boredom thing that I think I brought up a couple times because I'm I'm uncertain exactly what this issue may be if there's an inconsistency. So here's the good news: you go on the road next week. You get to find out 
whether you're a step slow on the pick and roll, whether you don't block out as consistently as you used to, whether they're, whether your shot's a little flat, uh, you, you know, whatever little things go into the effort and frustration thing that have taken us from thinking that Arizona is a legitimately daunting foe as far as uh, college basketball is concerned to a team loaded with talent that now we're not entirely convinced uh, has the mechanisms necessary to go absolutely as deep uh, as their talent would suggest. So maybe this is something that you just got to be, you, you've got to figure out how to get that effort, even if you're away from the friendly confines where Arizona just wins games easily. Yeah. I'm also, I think there's going to be certain players though, that they need, listen, Kylan Boswell has to be good. Um, and I, Listen, again, I'm going to be okay if he doesn't have, uh, you know, great scoring games, but he's more than capable, again, of being somebody that can initiate, can orchestrate the offense, and on top of that, he can also be kind of a defensive bulldog. There's no reason that he shouldn't be because, again, I'm not – and, again, I, I hate to keep beating this horse, but, you know, people would say, yeah, I know, I don't even have a horse. But um, <laughs> I – like with Kirk Creasa, Kirk Creasa was just limited, man. I know he talked a lot, all of that. I know and there's going to be a guy on YouTube that's going to uh, say, why are you talking about Kirk Creasa? That was last year. It is to give a frame of reference. Kirk Creasa was just not as physically capable as Kylan Boswell is. Kylan Boswell is a better basketball player. I think, again, Boswell to me has to be somebody, even if he's not on the all-conference team, he's got to feel like an all-conference caliber player out there. Because again, when you're at the point guard spot, you could be a difference maker. And we've seen him many, many times be a difference maker. And that's what I want out of him. And I think he can be, Mike. If he's shooting the way he is the last two games, he certainly can be. And as long as Arizona, you know, in terms of opposition, right, as long as that team that you're facing fears Kylan Basel with the ball in his hands, I think you're going to be okay. You know, I don't think that he needs to shoot, you know, six threes a game or anything, but I think offensively he's proven. And I think he gets the respect that, you know, he deserves, you know, I granted, I know it's been a tough couple of it. weeks. He does deserve it, but it's been a tough couple of weeks, but he's shown you he can do other things. I mean, defensively, he he can hold his own. And I think offensively, right, he's pretty good at finding the shot, even if it's not from three. So I, I would only imagine that, you know, hopefully he is out of that slump and at a point where he's regained his confidence and he remembers that, OK, if I'm not hitting threes, there's still a million other things that this team needs me to do. Right. And, you know, remembering that he is kind of the the point well, he's obviously the point guard, but he's the forefront of what they're trying to do offensively because without him setting it up, it just doesn't happen. I mean, Keyshaw Johnson, I think, is another big factor of the last couple of weeks, and I think it directly correlates with the way that Boswell has played. I think when Boswell doesn't play well, Johnson isn't going to play well because Johnson is not going to get the ball as much, and it's going to be hard for him to get some better looks. Um, so, again, I think, I think he's huge, and it's kind of a domino effect because if he doesn't play well, there are other – guys on this team, particularly in the front court, that are going to be impacted by it. But Mike, one of the things you also touched on, and I think, you know, it's simple. You don't want bad shooting to lead to bad defense, uh, not blocking out on the offensive end. All the effort stuff that you're talking about right. uh, to a large degree falls under that category. If you're having a bad shooting night, you can still do things that create benefit for you on the floor. And and what happens, and, and Boswell, I think, is probably the most visual uh, uh, 
guy who's guilty of this perhaps so far, but Larson is certainly high up on that list too. If Larson is number two or three in terms of consistency, he's also two or three maybe in terms of where effort kind of, you know, if one thing doesn't go particularly right. well, it maybe spreads out a little bit too. And and those are areas where if Arizona can just recognize that you don't need to be a 30-point score. And I feel like Larson's this guy because he's sort of always played this way. Yeah. Um, we're you know, kind of when, at, when he, kind of yeah. at where you can when, just kind of are what you are, yeah. But 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 to your point, being are what you are shouldn't hurt your effort uh, across a multitude of areas. If you're not shooting particularly well from three point range, okay, so what? You know, don't screw up. And and he's he's the one guy who you you regularly notice around picks has a problem staying with a good three point yeah. shooter. And that is something that at some point, and I'm not sure, I'm I'm just bouncing stuff out here. I'm not sure if Larson is making the mistakes or if he's trying to cover for other people who he thinks are. And I think at some point defensively, if it's the latter, then Larson has to be a selfish defender. And if somebody else is going to get beat, well, that's their problem. Right. Uh, if Now, I'm, I may be completely wrong about that. And the reality is it's just get Larson who's getting beat all the time. Uh, but if it falls a little bit under the category where you're trying to be the air quote leader and part of leadership is trying to guide other people through what the uh, defensive schemes are supposed to be and it's hurting you as a response, well, maybe a little selfishness isn't that bad because that effort aspect, you know, the the thing we like about Larson when Larson plays well is that he's good across the board, but he becomes frustrating if he's not good at A and then not good at B and or uh, in the Greek sense, not good at alpha and not good at beta. And, uh, you know, you get the point. Uh, so those are the things I think that Arizona probably has to try to, you know, work through. Just because you're having an off shooting night shouldn't affect everything else. You know what? Also, though, you never have to worry about an off night. That's the BetMGM Sportsbook app. This thing runs like a machine, at all twenty four seven, as the kids would say. Exactly. Check it out, BetMGM. I mean, shoot, you can you can vouch for this. You've used the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Oh, I most I most certainly have. Ben, uh, why you can't use it? <laughs> not where I am right now, but I've used it. Okay, in the past. Well, you can't. Dave, in California. All right, now. Sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook mobile app of at least $10. If that bet loses, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Check out the show notes for details, and let's hear Shane Diefenbach with the disclaimer. Problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369-NEW YORK. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. All right. Now, one other one that we also got to get in there, the Gila River Resorts and Casinos. All right, we have never stayed there, but we have seen the blue waves. John Schuster and I, when we got done hanging out behind, uh, uh, I almost said John Calipari, Frank Caliendo, <laughs> different Italian. Now, now I've heard um, John Calipari does an amazing Frank Caliendo impression. He, he really does. It, it is flawless. But uh, anyways, we've seen the Gila River Resorts and Casino, and guess what? The lines were backed up. 
to get in there. And it wasn't merely because of those little blue waves, which actually are pretty cool. Um, check it out. You do you at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Visit play at Gila.com for more details. Their state-of-the-art gaming floor has it all with 800 slot machines, 15 blackjack tables. You name it, they've got it. All right. Now. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter post game today. I got to go hang out with somebody very important at the U of A, <laughs> but I want to get the, uh, I want to get your guys take though on the uh, defensive coordinator at Arizona. Johnny Nansen has moved on to the uh, university of Texas. Um, there is a lot uh, yeah, but there is a big, and uh, there is a big movement uh, to make uh, to, for Dwayne Aquina to become the defensive coordinator 2.0 here at the U of A. I am all for this because here's where I'm at with Dwayne Aquina. We know that he can coach defense. I don't want him anywhere near the offense. We've seen him as an offensive coordinator. But um, I 1,000% want Dwayne Aquina as the DC because next year is almost a go-for-broke year, in my opinion, for Arizona football. And then Schuster's mentioned this a million times. Arizona football has never strung together back-to-back really good seasons. Now, they've come close, but they've never been able to string back-to-back good seasons. Dwayne Aquina was the one difference that came over from the previous uh, – from the team uh, two years ago stinking on defense and being maybe the worst in the co- country to being one of the best in the conference. Uh, the guy knows defense. Um, I would like to see him be the defensive coordinator because I think that he's made a huge contribution to watching him at practice. He's got every bit as, uh, he's got every bit as much uh, energy as he has in the past. Uh, shoe and then Ben, I would like to see Dwayne Aquino become the defensive coordinator. Uh, what I look for kind of in this capacity in regards to the way that Arizona's defense improved as significantly as it did, going from disaster to pretty good, pretty, pretty good. Uh, and in, in a real short period of time, I would like to see continuity uh, in whatever it is the defensive vision is that Jed Fish ultimately has for the program. The good news in terms of the potential of that continuity is that Akina is in the program and to some degree hopefully understands what it is that Fish is trying to accomplish and can adjust accordingly uh, in that capacity. But one of the things that I liked last year uh, with Arizona, especially defensively, is their ability to adjust on the fly. I think I think during the course of the game, they had a pretty good game plan as to what how they wanted to attack the opposition, what they wanted to do. But in game situations, oftentimes early on, they'd give up a lot of yards or maybe even some points fairly early. And then it seemed like, okay, this is what we talked to you about during the course of the week. This is how they are going about it. So this is what we, this is why we talked about this and what we need to do to change to make the necessary adjustments. That was the thing that I was the most optimistic about Arizona from a defensive standpoint was their ability to adjust during the game. And and if Akina is the guy who can keep that kind of continuity in place, that's fine. If it's somebody else who Fish believes is better at keeping that continuity in place, and that's fine as well. I'm I Akina certainly you know has spent a lot of time in this program, uh, you know. But we will find out whether Fish believes he is uh, the guy for that job. But yeah. based on the overall vision that I think Arizona was able to improve and implement. Uh, that's what I, I'm, I, I'm at this stage much more interested in continuity that worked. And right. we'll see if Arizona can do that at the next step. Ben, one well, I th- well, I think, too, you have a blueprint that works, right? And I think, you know, I think coaching is very important. But from a talent standpoint, 
you bring back pretty much everybody on that defense. And I think that's really what you're looking at. I mean, let's be honest here, guys. Two years ago in 2022, 2022 a lot of people thought uh, our defensive coordinator who was leaving was not very good at his job. And then flash forward to last year, um, you see how that changed. So I think from a from a search perspective, they're, they're obviously looking to disrupt it as little as possible. I think that's what she was hinting at. And I think Akina is going to be involved one way or the other. But if there is a candidate out there who can bring something maybe from a recruiting edge, um, has proven himself at another position and maybe somebody who has aspirations to be a head coach someday, I think they're going to look at it. But I think either way, Mike, Akina is going to be involved, um, heavily involved in one way, shape or form. Even if he's not the DC, I think he'll be still very prominent and important to what they're doing defensively. What was wild about going to practices is just watching. And again, Johnny Nansen obviously did a very good job. But Dwayne Aquino was the one that controlled the, just from an outsider's perspective, looked like he controlled the field. He was the one that was jumping up and down, that was going sideline to sideline, that was yelling, that was getting in people's faces. It was really interesting to watch just how much of an imprint it felt like he, that he had on there. And his energy level at that level was still was still immense. I would love to see him uh, get that chance because like I said, I think if Arizona can string together two straight 10 win seasons, no matter what happens with Jed fish. And I think there's going to be good news. It's going to be coming down the pike. um, I think it becomes a much, I think it becomes a more interesting job because you've strung together some success on that note, before we sign off, Rolly's Mexican food on 12th Avenue. Shoe, have you been here? Uh, No, you need to go there. It's very, it's what I've heard. It's very scrumptious. Um, I uh, I could not speak uh, more highly of it than a well. I will give a food review on Monday about it, though. Ooh, but like I said, wait. I got to sign off just a little bit early today. But for Ben White, for John Schuster, for the faceless Jacob Franklin behind the scenes, I am Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. We all silly like the mayor. 